Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the 26th edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and it's always a pleasure to feature intriguing individuals, people that excelled in their particular sports. And this is a different show. Um, I wanted to have this brother who will be a future legend for sure. And this man uh, has done so much for his community. Usually the show features retired athletes. He's a social activist and humanitarian, and he's part of the National Football League's Players Coalition that battles social injustice and racial inequality. He has created a foundation called the Devoted Dreamers, and it's committed to, to having children fully realize their dreams and full potential. But also he's an all-pro linebacker, one of the best linebackers in the National Football League, first team all-pro, finally getting the recognition he deserves. Eight-year vet of the National Football League, plays for the New Orleans Saints. Who that nation? My pleasure to have a good friend of mine, too, because I've known this brother for a while, Mr. Demario Davis. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on, man. Definitely excited about it. Oh, no, I appreciate you, sir. I appreciate you. There's so much to talk about. And you were just protesting, you know, all over the country, going to Atlanta, Washington, D.C., Buffalo, with your brother, Josh Norman, also an all-pro NFL player at the cornerback position. So um, talk about that experience and how did your presence (laughs) help in the discussions with the community as well as the police in trying to bridge the gap between both sides? Yeah, man, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, I think to really understand the full scope of it, you have to understand kind of how Josh and I first started you know, mm-hmm. doing this stuff. Um, we 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 much wanted to be more action oriented, solution oriented to to many of the, the crises that regularly come about in our country, and uh, we started when uh, we learned about the ice camps that were going on at the border and kids yes. sleeping in cages. And so uh, it just created this huge hysteria of a conversation that was going on around the nation and why everybody was talking about it. Josh and I wanted to go go down there. And so we flew down there and, uh, you know, our eyes were open to how things were much different in reality than how they were being portrayed on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of situations, they were talking about uh, what was going on with the kids and it was a lot much worse situation than you could have imagined that, you know, uh, TV was covering it lightly. Yes. Um, and then how they were explaining the reason for it, that these people were dangerous and they were being treated as such. Um, that just wasn't the case. So it was a lot of misinformation that was going on. And, and so we realized that we couldn't depend on uh, the news or other people to give us information. We had to always go and find it ourselves. We did the same thing with Flint, Michigan. Five years after the water crisis, when everybody thought the water crisis was over, we went out and realized that it was just as bad or worse now oh, than it man. was uh, then. And man. so that's a tragedy, a tragedy, yeah, a tragedy. And so when you get these conflicting reports, you realize, you know what? Everybody else is just casting their opinion about what they've been told. And so number one, you're being told wrong information. So you're going to formulate. No matter what opinion you form, how accurate it is, it's going to be inaccurate because the base of the information is inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, we just learned that when things go on and you want to really help the situation, you have to go to the problems. And so when, when protests uh, sparked up all around the nation, we realized that it was our responsibility to go to these places. It was our responsibility to go and hear from the people who are protesting. It was our responsibility 
to talk to the city officials in those areas mm-hmm. to figure out how change could be made. And so that's what we did. We used our, our platform to go to Atlanta and Buffalo and DC and LA and Minneapolis to listen to the activist leaders that are on the ground to set up meetings with the city officials and to try to figure out if there was any common ground that could be found and um, how we could how we could best help. Wow. And um, and going to right to the trenches, you know, and, and doing that and, and that's taking action, you know, and that, that that's what's important. And I, I saw a tweet that you that you retweeted of a cop giving a young man new sneakers because, you know, he his shoes were run down. He told the police officer that and then he ended up giving him those. Sne- I mean, just things like that. That's what we need to see more of, too. Right. I mean, there has been good interactions as well with the police and and with um, with civilians like you and myself. Yeah. Anytime we look at a situation, we always have to realize that there are two sides. And any time when you want to have unity, it's about bringing two or more multiple sides together to uh, a common ground. Mm-hmm. And so when addressing something like police brutality, number one, we have to realize that we can't just address police brutality. That's almost like putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. We to, right. We have to address the entire issue of uh, this plague that has affected the black community. And police brutality is just one of the symptoms. But even in addressing police brutality and having unity there, we have to talk about we have to talk about the good as much as we're talking about the bad. We can't just take bad things that are happening with bad cops and bad players or uh, situations going going wrong and uh, amplify them without talking about the good cops that are out there and uh, the good cops who want have reform also. Um, and talk about the good that cops are doing. And so when, when there is acts of goodness, we need to highlight those and show those because that's really what people learn from. People learn from stories. So you can't just go in and lecture people without giving them examples of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. When, you give, when you give stories, whether it's someone telling a story or, or somebody watching a story, um, it's much easier for people to take that and put that into practice, yep. you know? So uh, if you just give theories or ideas of solutions, it's much harder for people to process it. You know, it's like in the Bible, why Jesus talked with, with, with parables. He needs mm-hmm. to make analogies and metaphors so that people can understand the theory of what he was saying. And it's the same today in, in, in a lecture hall, a teacher may teach you uh, about whatever it is they want you to learn, but they're going to follow that up with multiple examples. Yes. And so when we're talking about what we want, uh, the uh, police uh, reform system or the new model of policing to look like, we have to, we have to show those examples. And so, uh, you know, it's as simple as seeing a cop giving a kid uh, some sneakers and retweeting it. So Demario, uh, you're selling masks on your website, 56manofgod.com. And the mask reflects your faith, your Christian faith. The masks say man of God and woman of God. Also, what you're doing is helping to be able to have, to bring awareness to people to prevent the spread 
of COVID-19 by wearing these masks. And as well, you're donating all the proceeds to the families of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd, victims of police brutality in which you're taking action to make sure that laws are regulated to stop this. So please elaborate more on this mission and, and how it's really motivating people. Yeah, you know, I see it in a picture of a family. You know, here it is, a black man that was killed, representative of a father, a black woman that was killed, representative of a mother, mm-hmm. and a black child was killed. Uh, you know, so it's, you, you see this whole black family being taken away at the hands of uh, some bad actors. And um, we have traditionally seen that they won't get justice because of the color of their skin. Mm. And um, we have seen that they won't get justice because of the authority and allowance and lack of accountability that those bad actors, their position allows them to have. So for me, I always try to have action that models my stance on the issue um, instead of just me going to social media and running out and saying my opinion, you know, tweeting my opinion or doing a video talking about my opinion. Mm-hmm. I can much, I can help move the needle a lot further if I um, show my action and my stance. And so, you know, in COVID, so many people were protesting and you can't go out and protest if you don't have masks. It's just not, it's not the safest, the smartest right. thing to do. Right. And so we had had uh, unbelievable uh, return and support during the season. We did the man of God, woman of God headband. So I wanted to do something uh, the same uh, to help these families. And it was a great opportunity to do the mask. The people who made the headbands uh, didn't have a problem making the mask. And so uh, we begin that whole process. Um, now, on our first quarter report, to be able to send you know send those proceeds out to those families, so definitely excited about that. Um, and so it's, it's like you said, it's a chance to help for COVID. It's a chance to support these families. It's a chance to bring awareness around these issues. Um, you, so you're doing so much with 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 just, with just an, uh, a small act of kindness, and and that's the way that I try to lead by example. Mm-hmm. Wow! Here on the 26th episode of Where They At, a special episode. Usually, I interview retired players, but this man is far from retired, Mr. Demario Davis, All-Pro linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, and also a true activist for sure. Um, so, Demario, now. We have a major election, November 2020, right? But people think about the presidential election, but there are other elections. There's the House. There's election for all of the Congress of uh, representatives for the House. There's elections for some Senate, uh, for some senators, everything like that. Also, there's local elections, city council, state Senate, everything. Also, judges. So how important is it for 
our people, like everyone, to be able to not just be focused on that presidential election, but to be focused on the local officials as well as the representatives that are in the legislative part of the U.S. government? It's, it's, it's probably a little bit more important because we're looking at a time where policy and, and laws um, are how we're going to change these structural oppressions. Mm-hmm. These social, these structural uh, injustices that we have in our country, you know, dealing with racism is dealing with the heart. That's a heart issue, and it's going to take a lot uh, longer time to uh, change the hearts of man. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we can do is focus on the structures that allow for racism to happen. We can we can eliminate those and. In my opinion, in less than five years, and a big part of that is um, getting these bad actors who uh, sign off on these things or who um, petition these things into place out of the way. Um, we have seen, especially recently, a lot of pressure being put on uh, House members and Senate members um, to uh, change their stances or, or 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 be moved out. With which is which is amazing. Don't don't um, get me started on the lynching. That whole lynching thing going on with the Senate. Oh man, that's a whole nother show. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we need we need um, all these, uh, I guess, races behind the scenes to um, to kind of rise to the surface, so we know who they are. We can point them out and we can remove them. Um, you know, we need to be checking their past, you know, things that they've signed off on, things that they supported. Mm-hmm. And then we need to be holding them accountable. We need to be much more aware of who the players are at the legislative level, um, because that's where it's going to be. Uh, all these poli- policies like the bill to go before that all the players sign off for qualified immunity. Mm-hmm. Um, those that's, you know, where those votes are going to be very important, you know? So, um, we need we need bold people uh, in Congress. We need uh, courageous people. People not scared to not afraid to look at things differently than the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, not afraid to uh, put in new legislation that helps with new models of uh, of social justice. You know that's what we need to be looking at. So those are those are very important role players. So we need to be thinking not just in Congress and House, but also on our local levels. All the people, you know, district attorneys, mayors, governors, uh, sheriffs, um, uh, uh, chief of police. Mm-hmm. We need to be looking at, we need to be looking at all these uh, major players that, 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 that are local, local, uh, even yep. aldermans. And so, you know, that's where change happens. And then we need to be thinking about legislative legislation, uh, uh, and legislators at the national level, the Senate and the House. Mm-hmm. But even more so, uh, November is an important election. Uh, November, it's an important election for the president. You know, and, and I'm not a big mm-hmm. person that, that believes you, you should just be focusing on the president. Right. Um, you know, because it, like, like we know and what we're just talking about is all these things that happen on the local level and almost uh and all these things that happen you know from a policy standpoint that the president frankly just signs off on um though this president has done a lot of executive orders but that's not the case it's we need to look at 
what our president represents for our country. Mm-hmm. And um, if we're the United States of America, why do we have a president that's so divisive, mm-hmm. you know, or uh, represents division, you know? And so um, I don't know if our country has what, except for recently with, with the Black Lives Matter movement, I don't know if our country has ever been, you know, more more divided than it is or it has shown recently. And I would just say it's probably incited by that by that position. And um, then how we how we're viewed um, in the rest of by the rest of the world because of who's representing us um, at the top. You know, and so we just need to think about that. You know, as we get ready to go and cast our votes, um, you know, what is the what is what does our current president represent for us? You know, and so and is this the way that we want to be represented as a country? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who goes against the world the World Health Organization in a time of crisis is mm-hmm. that who we want representing us? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody who um, when they don't get their way, they fire the people around them. So it's my way or the highway. Is that who we want representing us? You know, and so uh, someone who has been um, evidence-based, prompted, and shown uh, with um, corruption and conspiracy after conspiracy or corruption after corruption. You know, and so... We just have to think about those things as we go into because, um, like, I don't who it, whoever the president is doesn't necessarily change you know what policies that are in place and what are going to affect the lives of people every day. But uh, a big part of what you know uh, represents us on a day to day basis and um, um, the image that we bear as a country is um, held by that position, you know, and so. Uh, we just need to think about those things. Right, absolutely. And, and Demario, uh, we're going through, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, it, it's affecting, of course, everyone around the world. You know, if, if you're not affected with the, with the actual coronavirus, you have a family member or a friend that was affected or unfortunately lost their life. Um, so there's a situation with the National Football League. Training camp starts at the end of July. Um, and what is your take on, and Dr. Anthony, Anthony Fauci mentioned about a bubble, a possible bubble, just like the NBA is doing in Orlando, saying that the NFL may have to follow suit. What is your take on that? What are the provisions that the NFL would need to make so you could be able to have all the players and the staff being safe and still being able to play football games? I don't know, you know, what the need is for us to rush back to sports is about. That's what I don't really understand. Um, playing sports is, sports in general is a form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's my livelihood, but for everybody else, it's, it's a form of entertainment. It doesn't meet uh, an urgent need except the need to be entertained. Mm-hmm. So I do not understand, you know, forgive me for not understanding the urgent need for us to to, to return. Um, 
Now, mind you, I love the game and can't wait to get back to play the game. But if it's going to put myself, my family, or others at risk, um, that's just something I'm not 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 excited about. Um, so, and right now, it just seems like so many hurdles would have to be jumped through just to be able to play play the game. And um, when the game is safe for everybody to return, meaning um, staffs can come and move freely, players can come and move freely, fans can come and move freely, then I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy to return to the game. Um, but not not before then. Um, you know, there there are there are more pressing matters that are going on currently in our country that need to be addressed versus us having to spend our energy and time trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen, happen with sports. Now, that's not my decision to make. I don't, you know, know I think they're going to use as much of their energy to figure out how to get that solved and get it figured out um, in the best interest of um, all parties. Um, but, you know, as far as my standpoint, I just look at it when it's safe for everybody, then then that's when we should we should resume. Other than that, there should be no urgency for 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 sports at all to return. Mm. Oh no, that's that's real, you know for sure. Because at the end of the day, it's about safety and also about everything that's going on to make sure that everyone's unified, you know for sure. And um, and speaking of being unified, like the New Orleans Saints, you know, you you mentioned about Drew Brees, uh, the fact that that he owned up to his mistake and he owned up to what he said and and he learned how it hurt, you know, how it disappointed others, you know, and that's what the communication, that's what's key about communication, because you got to put out your, it's like putting a book bag out, taking everything out of the pockets of the bag, taking everything out of the bag, making sure it's completely empty so you know what's in the bag, you know, um, but talk about how that has really unified the team. Um, well, when you have an adversity like that to hit your team, um, because of being on separate pages about how you process an issue, Mm -hmm. um, there has to be, you know, that that was something that could have tore up to our team apart, mm. um, but it was also an opportunity to for us to learn and grow and become you know better from it. I think Drew um, took the leadership role in saying, you know what, I addressed this wrong. Um, you know, I have to admit my wrong, and I do need to learn more, and I do need to to do more understanding about the situation. Um, for whatever reason, it begins, you know, uh, it's not about why he did that. It's about that he did that. That's that's leadership. Mm. Um, it's to own, own your mistake, not blame nobody. Um, and then to move towards reconciliation, you know, after apologizing to your uh, team members, apologizing to a community, start putting actions together that show how you feel about it. And he has done that. And then there's reconciliation that has to happen on the other side. The other side has to forgive. The other side has to have grace, um, which is uh, kind of where I and my teammates stepped in. It's like, you know, you can't be my, – my whole part was you can't be mad mad at Drew. Uh, most of America has missed the point for hundreds of years. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, black people have been here crying out and screaming and saying we were oppressed and nobody's paid attention. So you can't put it all and try to condemn one man for a statement. So um, that same model that he did is what, you know, America has to do and say, you know what, we got it wrong. And then start to not just say that, but start to work towards uh, righting those wrongs. And that's where we are today is our country is trying to right those wrongs and we need to, to continue to keep our attention there and focus on that. You know, and that's a big reason why I'm so not so anxious to rush back to sports because I fear that once we go back to sports, people will become distracted and we'll move away from this issue. Mm-hmm. And um, because we're focusing on this issue right now, but I'm not quite sure that everybody's heart is where it needs to be about this issue, you know? And so uh, that's real progress. That's when we all become human. Like no matter what's going on, we have to fix this issue. Mm-hmm. I think people are forced to look in the mirror right now and we give them an opportunity to look somewhere else, they will. And so um, as America kind of turns uh, its attention to the black community and fixing these issues, uh, we have to stay with them. And then the black community has to have grace on the bad actors and say, you know what? Because it feels weird, you know, having so many different ethnic groups come around the black community and support because traditionally they haven't. And so the first response yeah. is, why all of a sudden now? You know, are you genuine? That's just, that's just, if you've been oppressed for a hundred years, you're not just going to start trusting yeah. somebody that says, you know what, I'm on your side now. You know, so yeah. uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time. And so we have to have that grace and that forgiveness to be able to take, you know, the, the, the support and the people coming over trying to help. And then that's where unity happens. It takes everybody. It'll take everybody in this country to move this country forward. It won't just take black people. It won't just take white people. It won't. It will take. It won't just take. You know, any other ethnic groups. It's going to take everybody working collectively. And for uh, frankly, around this issue is uh, the most united um, I've seen our country um, in my lifetime. Yes. Around yes. a particular issue, and so that's why you're able to see progress as rapidly as we're having it and that's a big reason why i think some of the some of those bad actors want other things to kick off so that they so the distractions can come back and move people away from being so united no absolutely and and damari i want to talk about how your career has flourished i got something to play for you this is when we first met back in 2012 at Test Academy in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. You were preparing for the combine. So I'm gonna play something for you. And, and it's very interesting how your answer has really reflected how you've become excellent in what you do as a linebacker in the National Football League. All right, here we go, I'm playing. Okay. Speaking of the combine, uh, this is the moment you've been dreaming of. This is like uh, what you've been waiting for your entire life. How excited are you? <laughs> yeah, we are really excited. Every day we work out, we kind of talk about um, this, this, this is a moment you've been waiting your whole life for. Don't, um, don't go light now in a workout and let your dreams slip through your fingers I mean, when it's right there. Um, and so uh, just trying to get better so that you, when it's time to perform, you can knock down those doors and show them that you belong there. Shout out to Brian Martin, who ran Test Academy. And you've been showing that 
because you came out of Arkansas State, third round pick out of Arkansas State, and made a major impression in that combine. And now your career is flourished. And you've you've been always underrated too, because like Rockham said, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at, you know. And you've been at a high level since since your rookie sec- second year since then. So talk about how you kept your principles um, really conscious for you to be able to still, even though the recognition wasn't there, to still do what you needed to do. And now you're one of the most complete players in the game. Uh, yeah, I think something from that interview that, that just stuck out. And gosh, you know, that was, that was ages ago. But yes, what stuck out um, was I said that the opportunity is here now, you know, and your dreams are right there. You don't want to slip through your fingers, so don't start going light now. Mm-hmm. And when you think about your your journey, it's almost like a marathon. And it's like the closer you get to the finish line, the more excited you get, but the more you're almost like drained of energy. So you have to find ways to to refuel your mind so that you can have the extra kick. Um, so you're like, you're getting worn down, but you see the goal is right there. And so you just need to, you need to find a little bit more will to push through. And I just look at it, my career is always uh, becoming, you know, I, I guess I kind of steal that from Michelle Obama, but um, yeah. always, always, always becoming. And you're always becoming a better version of yourself. And at each stage, you know, your dream is right there. It's a new dream and a new goal that's right there in front of you. You know, it's, you just keep conquering goals, like to become a starter, to become, uh, uh, you know, uh, a leader on your team to become a captain to become you know an all pro player you know so it's always a goal that's right there um and you're always becoming and every time you cross one you set a new one and it's always right there in your reach um and and as you go you know mentally you get fatigued physically you get fatigued spiritually you get fatigued but you have to find a way to just kind of push through because it's right there you know that dream that goal of what you've always wanted is right there right before your grasp and it's like you you can't you can't slow down now because it's all right there and it can slip through your fingers. And so the same way I had that mentality as a rookie, you know, it's the same mentality I have now. Like all my dreams and aspirations, they're right there in front of me. So I can't go soft now. So like that motivates me to get up out of the bed and go work out. You know, this whole offseason I have, I moved my trainer in to stay with me so that I can go to a whole another level because my dreams are right there. Like I can see them, you know, and so um whether it's whether it's Super Bowl, whether it's Defensive Player of the Year, whether it's you know um, Hall of Fame, eventually. yeah, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, all of it mm-hmm. there, I can see it. So why would I slow up now when I put in all the work up to this point to get here to have an opportunity to reach reach those dreams? But even 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 more, everything that I want to do do for the community is all right there. All my aspirations and dreams of impact and community and changing lives is right there so like i can't slow up i can't slow down because everything i ever wanted to do is right there so it's just it's this mentality of always becoming and never arriving um that keeps you motivated it keeps you going because once you get you know to a certain level and you're like okay i'm good and you start to chill you know it's over because the world around you is always growing so the minute that you stay the same you actually fall back you know, I had a coach to tell me one time, you never stay the same, you get better, you get worse. And that comes from this idea of you always have to be becoming. 
Absolutely. 26th episode of Where They At with all-pro linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, Mr. Demario Davis. And as I mentioned, he's far from retired. This is a special episode because I wanted to talk with Demario about um, the amazing work he's doing for his community to fight racial injustice, systemic racism, as well as um, be able to get uh, voting rights out there too. So Demario, now the Players Coalition is the coalition in touch with Colin Kaepernick? Has there been talk between Cap and the coalition, um, and maybe working together? Well, when the coalition when the coalition was formed, um, Cap was actually a part of it, and then there was a there was a slight break in different differences of methods and mm. approaches to it. Um, and the last conversation that the coalition actually had with with, with Cap is in regards to you know. Uh, direction was, you know, whatever Cap had going on, the coalition will support. Anything the coalition had going on, Cap would support, but we, they would do it from, you know, two different, two different areas. Um, mm-hmm. I guess you could compare it to uh, SNCC and the Black Panthers. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, two organizations fighting for the same goals, but doing it in, with different methods. And mm-hmm. um, so it's just, it, it's, it's, it's been um, at that from that standpoint. I've just been focused on the work in the community. Um, and when I was in New York, I started, you know, doing a lot of work with the coalition, and then uh, it transferred to uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And the thing that the coalition uh, provides is a we're able to hit a lot of different market uh, market cities at one time. You know, we can have progress going on in New York, and then I look up and see. What uh what Dev is doing in um in Boston and see what Malcolm is doing in Philly, seeing what mm-hmm. Equan is doing in Florida and Atlanta, you know, and so you just kind of see like dang as we get wins, one city they, they kind of just trickle throughout all these other cities. Mm-hmm. Um and then we have a, a extensive research teams that help us get, you know, uh up to date current information with the facts with statistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we go into these issues in these cities and we're learning what's going on and we go and talk to these city officials, you know, we have the data to match. And it's not like we're just speaking off emotion, but we're speaking off, off. And so that helps us, that helps us exponentially. And so that's why we've been able to have success in, in so many of the cities that, that we've been in. Mm-hmm. Wow, and 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 Demario, like um, with you heard about Anthony Lynn and the Los Angeles Chargers uh, giving they're going to give Colin Kaepernick a tryout for the team. Like, uh, how much pressure do you think will be on him? Because you know there are the naysayers that the people that were against his stance saying, "Oh, he wasn't good enough anyway." Whatever. Like, how much pressure do you think will be? for Cap, especially a team that he could possibly start. That's an opportunity. How much pressure do you think will be over his head? I think it'll be magnified, but I would hope that um, he wouldn't feel the need to be anything other than himself mm-hmm. uh, as a player. First of all, if we look at it realistically, um, uh, he's probably better than a lot of backup quarterbacks in the league. You know that are currently on rosters. That has been the big thing is that him not being on a team wasn't due necessarily to his talent, mm-hmm. because there were players who were getting you know uh, at least backup quarterbacks that were getting signed to teams that you know a lot of times 
the feeling would be, man, you know, Cap is probably better than that guy. And that was, you know, a couple of years ago now where he is now. I don't know. Um, but I would hope that the pressure that isn't, isn't uh, on him to feel like, you know, he's carrying the weight of the entire black community or he's doing, you know, anything has to feel the need to be other thing, anything other than himself as a football player in regards to playing the game. Um, when it comes to uh, what he represents, um, I, th- I just would, you know, hope that he would continue to stand up as he's, as he's done around uh, issues that black plague the, the community. All of us, all of us should, you know, and so uh, continuing to use uh, his platform, play, our players continue, continue to use their platform to, to continue to, to speak up on these issues. Um, and so that's where that weight of responsibility should lie, not in playing the game. You know, it's like, you know, he shouldn't go out there with any other weight and pressure that any other player feels. I would hope that he wouldn't put yeah. that weight on his shoulders or allow people to place a weight on him that that doesn't that doesn't go that doesn't um go there. Um so but I think we'll all be, be rooting for him and, and would wish him well. Um that my 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 hope is that we wouldn't take the attention uh, away from these issues mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to place it to place it somewhere it, it, it doesn't need to be and, and, and uh, magnify um, an area that that doesn't um, pertain to either you know police reform or um, uh, or the game you know and so uh, I know like a lot of teams you know Almost uh, very similar to uh, Tim Tebow, I would believe that you know a lot of teams didn't want to. At one point, they just didn't want to rehire him because of the amount of attention that he would get as an individual player. That wasn't necessarily around the game itself, mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, I certainly wouldn't want that to be the situation with Cap, to where teams felt like you know it would just be they don't want to deal with that extra attention that's taken away because, you know, team side, every NFL locker room, their goal is to, to minimize what they would deem as distractions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if he's just getting attention just to get attention and it's just uh, following him, that could do more damage than actually hurting him. I mean, helping him, it could do more damage. Um, but if they're talking about the game, one, that's, that's good to mm-hmm. always be talking about the game. Or if they're talking about the issue specifically, you know, what he's trying to bring awareness to, that mm-hmm. would be good. But anything else, um, you know, would, 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 would be, uh, I believe, a distraction and wouldn't help anybody. Wouldn't help him. It wouldn't help, it wouldn't help the situation. It wouldn't, it wouldn't help anybody. And, and, and the media plays a big role in that. Mm-hmm. And so um, hopefully everybody uses that responsibility. Wow. Well, Demario, before I let you go, I want to do a quick segment called No Huddle. Rapid fire questions pertains to your career and your interests and everything like that. So here we go. Here we go, my friend. Here we go. So toughest offensive lineman you've ever been up against? Oh, uh, maybe Trent Williams. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. Now the underrated player you've noticed, you know, throughout your career, a player that has not gotten the recognition that he's deserved throughout your playing career, your eight years? Um, it's probably hard to say, like underrated, 
because sometimes guys do are rated, but they should be rated a lot higher. I'd probably say Alvin Kamara. Mm, okay, okay. Bet. Now, who was your vet coming up? Who was your vet? I had a lot of them. Uh, Dave Harris, Bart Scott, uh, Darrell Revis, Antonio mm -hmm. Cromartie, uh, Brick, the Brickishaw Ferguson. I had a lot of them. I was blessed. Yes, yes, indeed. And that, uh, that was a good foundation, too. And speaking of Darrell Revis, thank you for, um, for that greeting for Darrell because he really enjoyed it on, the ep on episode seven of Where They At, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Now, um, the one social activist who inspires by inspires you by words and actions. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I definitely can't pick one. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm like a combination of all of them. Mm. Uh, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King and love, uh, uh, Malcolm X and, uh, the method and, uh, and, and, uh, inspiring and mobilizing people. Uh, Muhammad Ali doing it from, uh, a sports platform. Tupac Shakur doing it from an entertainment platform mm -hmm. um, and really caring about the community as a whole. You know, so I have like a lot of, lot of cats who I, who I was, I was inspired by. Um, Angela Davis, fearlessness, James mm -hmm. Baldwin, uh, articulating the, the proper message. You know, so I have a lot of them for, for, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Wow, no, that, those are great people to, to, to definitely uh, be inspired by. Now, the artist whose catalog gets you amped for games, you know, the, that one artist that you would have their playlist and, and that'll get you worked up to be able to excel on the field. Yeah, I got to have uh, three artists I got to listen to every week is uh, J. Cole. I got to listen to some J. Oh, Cole. Absolutely. I got to listen to some Meek Mill. Okay. And I got to listen to Andy Minio. Oh, okay. Okay. Good, good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, the one person you've never met that you want to break bread with? Oh, we. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, that's a good question. Let me see. Definitely, definitely the Obamas. I want to. I want to have different dinner, dinner with the Obamas, uh, Barack and Michelle. Um. And probably Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. Probably Warren Buffett. That's yeah, right. Warren, Warren Buffett. It would have probably would have been uh, Steve Jobs too if he was still alive. Wow, those are great people for sure. And and the last question on on the No Huddle segment: the one linebacker, dead or alive, that you would want to line up right next to? Oh, uh, <laughs> it's a cross. It's a cross between uh, uh, Derek. Derek. Uh, Lawrence Taylor. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely Lawrence Taylor. Derek Thomas and, and uh, Ray Lewis. Ooh, that, that, yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's 3-4 right there. That's 3-4. Yeah, <laughs> that's good right there. Give, give me Derek, a 3-4, give me Derek Thomas, Lawrence Taylor on one side of me in the middle with Ray. We good to go. Wow. <laughs> well, and speaking of great linebackers, underrated linebacker, Bill Berge went to Arkansas State, too. I didn't know oh, that. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Are, you, are you in yeah. touch with him? Are you in touch with him? No, I'm not in touch with him, but I know him, and, and we spoke a couple times. Wow, wow. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to your Devoted Dreamers Foundation. Saturday, July 11th, you're hosting the Encounter Conference, bringing a gospel experience to the youth. So talk about how those gospel, the inspiring words and the music 
couldn't really be able to to really bring your kids and, and motivate your kids to be the best that they can be and know that they can do whatever they set their mind to? Yeah, we just, um, we believe everything begins and ends with your faith. And so, you know, we believe going into a relationship with God could be the greatest thing that you could ever do in your life. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of changes your perspective. And the only way to do that is you have to first have a, some type of encounter with him a real encounter, not, you know, religion or things that you've seen or heard, but a real impact, impacted encounter that you have with them uh, yourself. And so we try to create that environment where, where that can happen for people. And, um, you know, you hear the worship and you hear the word and hopefully God speaks to your heart and um, you're able to walk into a relationship with him. And from there, your entire world, world changes. And that, that was the purpose of the creation of uh, the Encounter Conference three years ago. And this year mm-hmm. we have to do it virtual. So we'll yeah. get a chance to impact so many more people um, and, and, and just uh, praying that it's, it's a great event. Well, and I would love to participate in that. As you know, I'm a professional trumpet player as well you know and i would love to like next year maybe uh play play a couple of spirituals or something like that oh yeah sure. that'd be dope. You know, hymns. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah man we have to set you up man get you come down to mississippi and do that be oh dope. no doubt absolutely sir yes indeed and it's those devoted dreamers.org where they, they can go on to see it virtually right yeah 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 okay. it's gonna be streaming facebook uh facebook live uh and working on instagram live as well Excellent. And also to, to purchase the mass, man of, man of God and woman of God mass, that, uh, that the proceeds go to the families of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and uh, George Floyd. You can go to 56manofgod.com. And uh, Mr. Demario Davis, I thank you so much for the honor to talk with you. You are well beyond your years, brother, you know, for sure. And, and thank you for the insight and, and thank you for what you're doing for the community. And, uh, you know, I had to have you on to talk about that on, on where they at, especially with you being an active athlete. Still, you know, you've accomplished so much in your young life, for sure. Hey, I appreciate you, brother. It's always a blessing, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you all for listening to the 26th episode of Where They At with all-pro linebacker Demario Davis from the New Orleans Saints. This gentleman, only 31 years old, but really uh, has accomplished so much from the standpoint of, of being a true activist, of placing action with his words and being able to travel all over the country and, and really be able to find ways to, to combat racial oppression, to combat police brutality and educate the community on knowing their rights. That's what's so important. So that's why I had to have Demario on. He's the first active athlete that I've had on where they at. And as you can see, he's uh, definitely his, his knowledge and his wisdom is way beyond his years for sure. So if you like where they at, make sure to subscribe and or follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, also as well Stitcher, and Google Play too. So you can be able to subscribe and or follow and please rate the show. And I thank you all for your support as I continue to interview just fascinating individuals, people that exude excellence in their particular sport, as well as their particular creative outlet as well, a la Chuck D. So, so yes, so you can check out all those episodes. And also, if you like the music that you hear, make sure to go to my website, N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S.com 
nabataz.com that's nabataz.com and you'll be able to hear tracks from my album eclectic excursions so please check that music out you can stream and or download so i thank you all for listening to episode 26 of where they at my name is nabataz and please be safe be blessed stay woke and remember black lives matter and I'll be back sooner than later. Take care, everybody. God bless.